Wake up, buyer payer people. It's a beautiful day. Go grab yourself another cup of joe and say hello to Jim and Michelle Rhodes on the Buy Here, Pay Here morning show. Take it away, you two. Good morning, everybody. Hey. Nice to see everyone today. I'm listening to that music. I'm thinking, wake up, buy here, pay here, coaches and podcasters. <laughs> wake up and get going. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a Monday over here. It's a Monday, and it's so beautiful outside. Yeah, fantastic. It's, just, it's wonderful. We really a nice lot of, weekend. We did. Mm-hmm. We have this... Uh, um, I, I love yard work. I've come to realize we've been without having to do yard work for about three, almost Two four years. years. Oh, really? Well, because we didn't in Sugar House either. True. We did. I had a couple pots, but that was about it. But mm-hmm. so I'm really enjoying getting out there and getting my, mm-hmm. you know, dirt and dirt underneath my fingernails and all that. So it's been really fun. We had right. a great time this last weekend. Yeah, for sure. And um, all that. So um, announcements. T- uh, well, today uh, the the um, is the first full day for buy here pay here um, United Summit. So mm-hmm. hope you all are having a great time out there and um, and getting ready for. The day to start because mm-hmm. I think it starts here pretty soon. So, right. Um, and uh, Wednesday yeah. is the Neo Summit. So, yes. some of you will be attending that, I'm sure. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And then uh, Friday, we have um, Jeff Martin from the, Looking uh, forward the to new that. Yeah. CEO yeah, at will, NIADA. Yes. Yeah. Happy to have him joining us on Friday. So, look forward to that. Yeah. Oh, so, any other announcements? No. I don't think so. I don't no. think so. Well, this month we're, it's May. Um, May 1st. Yep. May Day. Diving into collections. Do you remember May Day no. as a kid? I, I, Those of you guys that are listening, if if you uh, remember May Day, it's not like May Day <laughs> alert, alert, but yeah, May Day. Um, we celebrated it growing up where on May Day we made little um, paper flower baskets and and then we went around and collected flowers for our moms and gave them a May Day because fl- um, it's it was just like that was what we did Never all growing up. Time. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, so I don't know if yeah. that's just like a yeah. a um, morning George. Good morning, George. I don't know if that's just a um, like a Washington thing because I grew up in the Seattle area. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I that's never May heard Day. That. So I don't know. I was in Oklahoma. We didn't do that. <laughs> it's kind of dry and dusty there, so. But- um, yeah, but they do have flowers. flowers yeah, yeah, yeah. There are quite a bit of those, and yeah. I remember bringing like lots of dandelions. Oh yeah, I'd fill a, I'd fill that little paper thing, and it was like that big of just. So you're the one who spread them through the neighborhood. Yeah, right? you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, they're nutritious. Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> so okay, this month May. Yeah, so is, we're diving into collections mm-hmm. for sure, and we got um, some guests joining us. We have uh, Bill Elizondo comes in on the twelfth, and then Brent uh, Carmichael on the twenty sixth, mm-hmm. and then Tommy Brandis at the end of the month on the thirty first, the last Wednesday, the last day of the month, which falls on a white hat. Yeah, Wednesday, we got a couple so. of people this week that I'm going to be reaching out to too to to talk about collections. Yeah, and so we've talked yeah. about um, collections here and there. We just thought it'd be a good time to string a bunch of stuff together on the subject of collections. And then there's mm-hmm. Bill Elizondo right there. Hey, Bill. So um, yeah, so we're just gonna uh, spend the month kind of focused in on that. And we we find that, you know, people ask us, you know, we're talking about collections. So for today, I really just want to talk yeah. about pre-collections. We won't spend a lot of time here. We've touched on this in different um, podcast yeah. episodes in the past. And so I think when when I think about 
pre-collections. I'm really just thinking about all the stuff that leads up to yeah. handing the customer the keys. And know? we've been, um, you know, we were talking about that this morning over our coffee time. Um, and, uh, that, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about collections in the, um, in the realm of, uh, the white hat way type of pieces. And we're, we're going to be spending a bit of time um, talking about the actual steps and, you know, the, and, and layering in the white hat way pieces to it, but mm -hmm. we're going to be spending a bit of time. Um, good morning, George. Yeah. And so I think the other thing that happens is, um, you know, we just find, well, let me just ask dealers, you know, if you're having trouble keeping collectors, like we know that's a thing, then I would ask you to look first at this part because when mm -hmm. we talk about pre-collections, I'm really just saying, look, there are a lot of things that we do before we ever step into the relationship with the customer. Before, the, before those keys. Yeah. And so if I think yeah. of it that way, then, then I would just say, you know, who wants to work in a situation where, and this is frustrating for the dealer, for the collector, for the consumer, mm -hmm. when you've got this deal that is not structured well, customers having trouble with it. We didn't communicate well our expectations. And so it just feels like it's a struggle, you know, throughout. Mm -hmm. Well, that frustrates collectors in particular is what I'm thinking about today is how do we, how do we solve some of that? Well, if we just keep pumping contracts into the collection department and we don't solve this problem on the front end, then we just kind of exacerbate the problem and we don't really mm -hmm. get it addressed. And so one of the first things that I feel like you have to do when you start talking about collections is what can we do today that would make the next 20, next 100 contracts yeah. that we put on the books perform yeah. better? Well, and I, we were, again, we, we talk a lot during coffee time, but we were talking this morning about, and that this is not a squirrel, mm -hmm. um, but we were talking about uh, doing some work in the side yard yeah. and, and that uh before we get this at uh, the place that we're renting has this kind of like little waterfall thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we're cleaning it out and everything, um, over the weekend. And Jim's like, I would like to get the, you know, make sure that all the cracks are taken care of and all the stuff. And, and we, we, it, it boiled down to 75% of the heavy lifting for success is done in preparation. Yeah. And so, and I think this is true too with this is that much of the success of collectors is in preparing the account for collections. Yeah. And I do want to yeah. spend most of the month of May talking about how to collect once, you know, if yeah. I'm in a collector's chair and I inherit some contracts in my portfolio and meeting some new customers and managing the customers that I have, that's what most of May is going to be about. For today, I just thought it's important. You can't really start a conversation around a conversation around collections, especially where dealers are concerned, without saying, "Okay, mm -hmm. what problems can we identify? Where are the struggles in the collection department? What steps can we take today to make sure that the contracts we add in the month of May and June and July, that those are arriving at the collections department better structured, you know, better communication, so that the customer has." is is in a better position to succeed mm -hmm. the collector is in a better position to succeed and so that's why i think all these things on the front end you just you yeah. can't really talk collections without starting that because otherwise you just are and by the way i'll also tell our viewers right up front i mean you don't really come to jim and michelle for education we'll be bringing in experts but you don't really come to us for information on how to skip trace and how to find problem customers. Mm -hmm. You come to us for education on 
and not how to find repos. And that's not what you come to us. Mm-hmm. You come over here for to, to talk to us about how to structure the deal in a way that customers are communicating, that you've got fewer repos, that you've got, mm-hmm. you know, better performance, better culture in your collection department and, and that whole thing. So we're, we're focused on the rule rather than the exception. And so when it comes to skip tracing and all the back end chasing the problem accounts and whatever, that's just not what we're going to be teaching. You'll, you'll this, go elsewhere. Oh, we, and if, that. if that's what you're looking for, we've got a ton of people that yeah, we, we can direct refer. you to that Absolutely. are great at it. Yeah. That's um, just not our, that's not yeah. where we live. And so we're, we're going to really focus on the, mm-hmm. on the rule rather than the exception. And, and we're not saying too, that, that doing the skip tracing or those are unimportant, but it's, that's just, you know, there's other people that kind of. Um, yeah, it's not that yeah. it's unimportant. We just mm-hmm. choose to give our time to mm-hmm. help dealers avoid finding themselves in that and, situation. And yeah, and and <laughs> uh, yeah, it's that whole 75% of the work and then and yeah. then setting the stage, there's less of that. And it's kind of we see that an awful lot uh the you know, sometimes it's the they call it a um uh, oh, what is it? I can't think of the exact phrase where it's just it's just burning through customers. Yeah, it's yeah. just, you know, getting Maturing. people through the door, selling yeah. selling more. Um, you know, to take care of a collection problem, right. that's, that is, um, something that, that when we talk to people that it's like, well, we just need to sell more. Right. And it's like, no, well, I mean, it's, it's that's not a problem to sell more, but that's not going to solve the problem. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, I think, and, and it's true that a lot of our dealers and listen, this is all tying back to recent conversation, including the one with Steve Levine on Wednesday last oh, yeah. week when we, and mm-hmm. by the way, if you haven't caught that episode mm-hmm. on tote the note, you can go just, just mm-hmm. search tote the note underwriting uh, on YouTube. You'll find it. I'm sure. Yeah. But, but that, that episode, Steve talks some about the kind of the same thing about, mm-hmm. you know, the front end and the, and the, how you, how you communicate on that side, because one of the things that happens, especially when the customer's ability to pay comes into question, mm-hmm. you know, we can talk about all the things that lead up to the delivery so that starts even way back when you're buying the cars and what you choose to yeah. acquire for inventory, then how you recondition it, how you price it, how you support it, whether warranty service contract, whatever that looks like. I mean, how you support the customer, you know, because all those are all programs that you would put in place before the customer ever signed the contract. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so all those things are a factor. If I were to pick one, I would say the customer's ability to pay. And, and when, and listening to Steve Levine, it's a problematic conversation, but from a regulator standpoint, if they, if a regulator sees that you're setting up a customer for failure and one of the key places they would look naturally would be the ability to pay. Mm -hmm. If you're putting a customer to contract that is beyond their ability, then that is something of a recipe for failure. So this is one Mm -hmm. of the first ones I'd pick. There are others. But certainly because it's it's in the crosshairs a little bit of the regulatory people and because, you know, just from a pure and, logical yeah. standpoint. And, and it's, it has nothing to do with someone that is responsible. It's it's like, yeah. do they have the money to be able to make this payment and pay, you know, like live kind of thing, yeah. I, the, the ability to pay. And then you start looking at, OK, how do we make it easy for them to pay? Yeah. To, yeah. And we're seeing and we talked about it with with Steve on that podcast with Brent Carmichael's like. We see dealers and, and it's softening now. Like we're just not seeing the, the, you know, we had an incline in terms of, uh, you know, car cost, term of mm-hmm. loan payments, all of those, you know, up, up, up. We're seeing it kind of stabilize now, but I would say, you know, we have to kind of, in my mind, you have to kind of make that payment manageable for the customer and then live with whatever term. 
And if you, if the term's too long and you can't approve it, you can't approve it. But to push the customer to a place that is difficult for them to manage mm -hmm. financially, and they're going to make that payment for three and four years. I mean, just, I just don't see it ending well. So I just think you've got to, you got to position the payment in a way the customer can manage it. And we see a lot of different um, ideas, philosophies around how much they can pay. You know, what yeah. uh, when someone's looking at net yeah. compared to gross, um, you know, whether or not if they're living at home, then we don't attribute anything at yeah. all to living expenses. You know, a lot of different, a lot of different pieces. There's because, you know, it's buy here, pay here. Everyone kind of gets to choose their own business model and, and their own practices. Yeah. I know what we've, what we've typically talked about mm -hmm. is, um, is uh, you know, even if they live with a parent, that there's a certain amount that is attributed to to housing. I, you know, that may or that may not continue. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, just regardless, uh, it's just and, about yeah. verifying whatever the income situation looks like. Yes. And also, you know, my mind always goes to when we think about term of loan and payments. I'm always thinking about special or irregular payments, which you know. Yes. Bill Nealon over at TaxMax mm -hmm. talks about that. I certainly have That's a long a time. That's a beautiful way to keep the payments reasonable Excellent for people. Um, so yeah. you can also just do a search for yeah. irregular or special payments. I'm sure you find that episode. We've covered that mm -hmm. in some depth in the past. But it's just an example of, you know, getting creative on the front end, making sure that you make the contract fit for the customer, mm -hmm. set them up for success because you're also um, helping your collection department in a big way. Um, when we can make sure, because it also helps me if I'm just, if I'm the dealer or I'm the collector, mm -hmm. I need to be able to maintain a posture in the collection department that this contract, we, we agreed at the time you bought it, that this, this was a fit, like this payment amount yeah. was a payment you can manage. And so unless your income has changed or your circumstances have changed, if you, if your expenses went up in some area, let's talk about that. But at the time we agreed to do this mm -hmm. deal and we stepped in and we signed the contract and we handed over the keys. That was our understanding. So unless circumstances are changed, have changed, then that just means I believe you can still manage the contract. Mm -hmm. I'm going to still hold you accountable to that understanding unless, you know, something's changed. And that's a posture that I need to be able to maintain throughout because I can hold customers accountable in a, in a doesn't have to be harsh, but I can, I can do my job better when I know for sure the customers and something they can handle. Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to squirrel again, but You're it's, really I, I know. Right. Um, <laughs> but is there, uh, I, I would imagine Neo's starting to collect some data. I'm, I would imagine that there's a lot of 20 group data about what is this, you know, what is a really good range for a payment for certain income income levels. Do you I know think, what I'm saying? I think they're going to have payment ranges. I think they're going to have more, better data all the time on PTI. You and I see it a lot where yeah. it's easy enough to see on the contract what the customer's payment is. But a lot of times in the DMS, the income that the customer reported at the time of delivery is not really reported. So you're saying that it's mostly if we can find the sweet spot for the PTI, mm -hmm. um, then we're good, but then that's all, you know, there's a lot of people that it's all over the place. What yeah. is, what is the most successful PTI? Yeah. And I think and you can drill are, down. are you looking at gross? Are you looking at net? Are you looking at, sure. you know, all of that stuff? Yeah. And I think I, rather than get off in the weeds on that kind of stuff, I think it's just, you know, it can the customer manage the payment regardless yes. of what those numbers look like. It's like, you know, cause there's verifiable income and there's income that's not verifiable. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, there's, and there's this thing about, 
you know, does a customer get a credit if they have, you know, no rent? I mean, is that a negative or a positive? It's like, look, just all I'm saying is you can, you can drill down in all those pieces and decide for yourself. That's one of the beautiful things about buy your payer. Every dealer can make up their mind, but I'm just saying, regardless of what choice they make there, the deal has got to be manageable for the customer within their certain, 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 or their current income and living circumstances it's got to fit because as a collector i've got to know that's where i'm at with this customer it doesn't work for me it just frustrates me as a collector it frustrates the customer when i'm reaching out to them week after week month after month trying to handle or get them to handle a customer a payment that they can't really handle it's just too much and so they're just they're treading water and that's just People and and you know, so one long. of the things that we've we've taught an awful lot is that that when a when a customer especially is in need of a vehicle, they're just about ready to say yes to anything just to True. get into a vehicle. And so, um, so in a way, I think this is this is what some of the regulations are about. Is like you have a there's a, to me it looks like there's a level of responsibility for the dealer to be aware of i mean it's it it's it doesn't it doesn't cover with this with the regulators if well the, they said they could afford it right. or you know they said that 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 was um you know that was a, yeah. a comfortable um because they're they're gonna say that if they need a car yeah and, and there's just always going to be a limit to how much you know, we, we, we want to verify, obviously, income. There's some great new tools out mm-hmm. there. You know, Neo's got one. There's others that have solutions where they can verify the customer's income, mm-hmm. like to a bank account level, you know. And so yeah. that's that's helpful because I think it's, it's one of our first responsibilities. If we're going to set this customer up for long-term success, we've got to make sure that that thing's a fit. And like I say, you just, you can see where when it's, when it's really a stretch for the mm-hmm. customer, then you've created an atmosphere and a and an environment where it's just a struggle throughout. I mean, what collector wants to show up every day to a struggle? Uh huh. You know, yeah. it's like that's that's just not the environment that I feel like we want to create. So when I think about success, it's like, what does success look like in collections? It's to me accountability, and we'll go into all the pieces, mm-hmm, but, but I think accountability you can't really hold somebody accountable unless you know for sure that the deal is a fit that's not that's not we can rule that out so the foundational piece to um successful collections from uh yeah before it's handed off to the collector is like can they afford the payment is what i'm hearing that's that would be priority one so i think and again how how can they afford it well so so you say okay pti is good but now if we're we're right at the top of pti and we're asking the customer in an as-is situation to cover all the repairs, you know. Yeah. Like, do you do have we, do you have a really good um, reinsurance? Yeah. Do you so have, that's what I meant by support early yeah. on. It's like we got to have support solutions. And so and listen, on my own dealership for years was uh, all as is. We did loans and side notes and whatever to help customers through stuff. But if they can't afford it, like what they can barely at? afford the payment, then how are they going to afford a side note? How are they going to afford? You know, yeah, yeah. It's just all yeah. the stuff. It's like we got to position them to have a chance to be successful. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is really all we wanted to bring for the conversation today is just think about what can we do. And we won't spend a lot of time here because we, we there's old episodes. We'll try to remember to tie them in so we can add them in the comments of the, some of the stuff we've touched on in the past. So people can refer and we don't have to rehash all that. But 
I think for today, it's just we, we knew that stepping into May, we have to have a conversation about that part first. And now assuming we've done that, then that's going to have an impact on collections going forward. The next 10, the next 50 contracts that we put in the portfolio when we when we go to the effort to make mm -hmm. sure the thing is really a fit. Now, the collection department can expect to have more success. They can manage those differently. And so I think that's what I would just say first is let's start there, mm -hmm. get that part, um, you know, kind of identified, make sure we're, we're given the customer and the collector every chance for success. And then we can move into the actual. So let thing. me ask you, I mean, you know, we can let dealers know this is the most important thing. If um, from your position, from the experience that you have, what is a good PTI? Oh, I think, um, 25% net at the top. Is, net at yeah, the top. Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, I don't, I've never been a big believer in, maybe this is a whole separate conversation for later, but I've never been a believer in tracking debt to income. A lot of people look at that. And I think the higher you get on the credit spectrum, the more ap applicable that might be. Um, but for me at, at the kind of the lowest income, poorest credit sector, I'm not too concerned about the debt element. And the reason that is like is because, the, yeah, this, the, how much debt they have. Yeah. yeah. And, and so just a quick explanation for the reason I would take that position is because it's my belief when I'm financing a car to a customer who's in a tough credit spot and they, they need their car to get to their job, right? That that's the connection to their income. That's how they mm -hmm. produce their income. So I can have a conversation with a customer and ideally you'd have that conversation with every customer through video or whatever that looks like to say, Look, we know you got to feed your family. We know you got to keep a roof over your head. After that, we feel like your car payment ought to be third in priority. Some people would say first priority. I would just say people are going to feed their family and they're mm -hmm. going to keep a roof over their head before they worry about their car. So if, in my way of thinking, if, if I can help them understand this car payment needs to come next. And, and if you, I don't have to say all of it, but they will draw the conclusion. Yeah, without the car, I can't create the income that pays the cell phone bill and the, and the mm -hmm. rent to center payment and all the other stuff that's in line behind that. Like mm -hmm. I just would say, let's rank it ahead of that. And now I don't have to worry about the debt. I just have to make sure is the income sufficient to keep a roof over their head, feed the family, you know, whatever mm -hmm. that looks like. And now does there money left over for a reasonable car payment? And, Cause we know everybody's got a cell phone payment. Everybody's got, you know, mm -hmm. they've got all that stuff. So, so I just think you have to add a 25% PTI net. That's okay. about as high as I'd like to go. I'd love to see them closer to 20 upper teens, you know, is, is better. But because again, I'm going to ask the customer to bear responsibility for whatever their, whatever their responsibility looks like on the repair mm -hmm. side. So you got a service contract, but service contract doesn't cover everything. So, mm -hmm. you know, customers got to handle their maintenance. They got to buy their own tires. They got to, you know, all this stuff. So I got to make sure they've got enough income to do all that stuff. And if they, if they don't, then why am I surprised that I'm having trouble collecting the car? Payment? Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know? Were we going to do one of these on some more pre things? Cause I, you know, one of the things we've talked about, which really helps collectors because you're, you're shifting this responsibility. This is my car. Mm -hmm. Is that, um, uh, the inspection that, that oh, no, I mean, I think we can also add that as a, as a reference, we've covered that, I think thoroughly enough in the past. It's, look it's about that. that thing about the customer accepting responsibility. We, regardless of what that looks like, it's like, there's, whether you're doing a warranty, whether you're doing a service contract or service contract might end, um, even at service contract, there might be a significant deductible. Mm -hmm. It's like, how do you, 
uh, make sure that you have structured the deal in a way the customers accepted responsibility and that they're able to fulfill their part of the responsibility in the arrangement for a long time. Like, you know, we're talking about three and four year contracts, but you know, we, we talk about the tenure approach to every customer. If I expect this customer is going to be with us for 10 years and, and beyond, then what, what does success look like? How do I structure that deal and the next deal to make sure that the customer can manage it because I need to be able to hold them accountable to that understanding. Yeah. We'll never get to the end anyway. And I'm just setting the customer up for failure and that should never be our intention. Right. Yeah. I don't think it is. I think of our people listening, I think they want the customer to be successful. I just think, you know, th- sometimes things are moving quickly and we don't have the process of underwriting, approving and closing the deal mm-hmm. as well as we'd like. And I would just say, gosh, you're stepping into a three and four and 10 year relationship. I mean, invest the time at the time of closing at the time of approval to make sure that we're, you know, cause we're sell, sell, sell. Let's, let's get that car sold and let's meet the next customer. And, you know, mm-hmm. and I just think once we've got a customer in front of us, we need to be really careful. Remember that we're stepping into a three to 10 year relationship or whatever mm-hmm. it looks like. And let's, let's do the necessary, just take the necessary time to make sure the deal is a good fit because starting next week when the customer's payment come due, we want to be able to hold them accountable to that mm-hmm. understanding. And so this is why it just becomes so important. I love it. Yeah. I think we should wrap up there. I mean, I think we've talked about this enough. We'll put the references to the prior mm-hmm. episodes on, <clears throat> on this subject. And um, so yeah, tune in in May. I, we got Bill Elizondo uh, listening in this morning. Yeah. He's probably, he's probably. Bill does a bit of uh, collection training. For sure. And so yeah, he's got a long and, background in that. So yeah. we look forward to having Bill join us on the 12th. And then like I said, we've got some other guests who will be joining throughout the month, but yeah, the theme for the whole month will be collections. And we hope probably put a bunch of contracts on the books and tax refund season the first quarter and now we're we're well into the second quarter and let's just focus on collections for a time and make sure we we can help folks get those car payments in the bank absolutely all right anything else no not today okay well hey guys um thanks so much for joining this morning um happy monday those of you who are at buy here pay united hi (laughs) (laughs) and we'll catch you guys all on wednesday for our white Hat wednesday Wednesday episode See y'all later. Talk to you then. Thanks.